Hey, everybody. Welcome to the next episode of the Fast Podcast series. I'm your host, Stephen Roach, and this podcast is brought to you by the Farmed Animal Antimicrobial Stewardship Initiative, or FAST. The FAST initiative exists to provide farmed animal owners and their veterinarians with tools and resources to educate them to help prevent antimicrobial resistance. So at the end of the day, it's all about antimicrobial stewardship. Now, the podcast series and their episodes are really focused on showcasing conversations that we're having with veterinarians in the field and looking at their specific roles as they relate to farmed animal health. In each episode, we're discussing how antimicrobial resistance impacts that individual, what stewardship looks like in daily practice, and perhaps most importantly, what their views are on the challenges and potential solutions to reducing a reliance on antimicrobials moving into the future. So at the end of the day, this is all about trying to educate and contextualize what antimicrobial stewardship looks like in practice. Today's episode features conversations between myself, my colleague, Dr. Dan Schock, and Dr. Kelly Barrett of Heartland Veterinary Services. Dr. Barrett is a large animal veterinarian, primarily working with bovines, small ruminants, and some other species. So without further ado, let's get into it. Thanks a lot for doing this, Kelly. We appreciate it. No problem. Um, so maybe just for the listeners out there, you know, this is going to be sort of across all species because uh, the FAST initiative is really sort of targeting, educating veterinarians working with farmed animals in any of the species and commodities out there. Um, you know, can you give listeners a little bit of a sense of who you are, you know, where you're practicing, what you've uh, been up to these days and, and what sort of the, the day-to-day tasks look like for, uh, for a primarily dairy, dairy vet in Ontario? Sure. Uh, my name is Kelly Barrett, and I'm a practicing veterinarian and partner with Heartland Vet Services, which is uh, based out of Listowel, and um, I'm a herd health vet for dairy animals. I do a little bit of everything as a large animal vet, but uh, my focus is, is on dairy, so cows predominantly, and a little bit of goats. And I've been in practice since I graduated in 2005 from the OVC, and uh, been with Listable ever since then. Nice. In addition to my role as a practicing vet, I work part of my time for the Dairy Farmers of Ontario as a quality assurance analyst, um, specifically with the ProAction program, which is a, a, a national program um, encompassing a variety of on-farm quality assurance modules, including food safety, um, animal care, traceability, biosecurity, and environmental sustainability. That's great. And Kelly, I might just put you on the spot and ask you, so, I mean, most of the commodities today have established and are, in fact, revising and renewing their their quality assurance programs. Um, You know, having been in ProAction, involved in ProAction a lot myself, um, I wonder, you know, where where did the lines meet between sort of tackling antibiotic resistance or, um, you know, being prudent user of antimicrobials? Um, where does the lines blur over with ProAction and how are they going to address that in the dairy industry? Um, for sure, one of the very first modules for ProAction to come out was the food safety module. It was uh, formerly known as Canadian Quality Milk, yep. and uh, now we're calling it food safety with under the big umbrella of ProAction. And that was a, a very important um, component to the program and, and very important to get it rolled out as quickly as possible because that is uh, such, a, such an important concern to make sure that the products that consumers are 
purchasing on the shelf are free of, of antibiotics, whether that be uh, the, the milk products, but also the meat products and, and making sure they're of the highest quality. I think it's a the most integral part of any quality assurance program for food animals and in all the commodities is to have a very strong food safety component. Mm-hmm. And the role of veterinarians is especially important because, because of our um, day-to-day influence on, on dairy farmers and, and especially now with them, be, the, the way that they're going to be able to access antibiotics is through veterinarians. And so um, we need to be able to play an active role in that. Great. One of the things I noticed in practice is it, it started a lot more conversations and got vets a lot more involved in how are these drugs being used, especially with some of the clients that you don't have, you didn't have the relationship before, you just started having those conversations and said, oh, I didn't know you were using them like that, right? So then it's just education opportunities, right? Absolutely. That was that was probably one of my favorite parts because when, when Canadian Quality Milk or CQM or Food Safety came out, I, I was a pretty new young vet mm-hmm. and just starting to do uh, you know herd level work and and it was a great opportunity to ask questions about a farm um, with under, under the guise of oh I'm doing this for your food mm-hmm. safety program mm-hmm. and it didn't come across as though it was because I didn't actually know what was happening on farms mm-hmm. it was uh, it was a great opportunity to learn more about a farm and and really strengthen my relationship with my clients I can't I can't underestimate the value of that in itself of becoming involved as a veterinarian in this sort of non-traditional role uh, through mm-hmm. a, through a quality assurance program mm-hmm. was so helpful for me in, in strengthening those relationships with my clients totally cool so I guess part of uh, really part of this sort of podcast series and really all the resources that we're developing for the FAST initiative is all about, uh, well, antibiotic resistance and, and what we can do to slow the resistance or, or stop it altogether. Um, and so we've been asking a lot of people some of the philosophical questions about, you know, what does resistance look like from your vantage point? And so we'll ask you that now, you know, Kelly, uh, what does antibiotic resistance look like for the veterinary profession? I think it's an ever-evolving thing um, ever since graduating and it's always been a topic of conversation and mm-hmm. it's really come to the forefront in the recent years and to be honest in in practice it's a it's a difficult thing we, we talk about it do we I don't know that I can say that I really see antimicrobial resistance in my day-to-day life but it's certainly something that we uh, discuss with farmers they're always asking us about well you know this antibiotic doesn't work on my farm does that mean it's resistant and and having those conversations about um, the types of bacteria that are involved and and all of the things that contribute to making a successful treatment outcome Mm -hmm. so as far as what resistance looks like for me on a day-to-day basis, it's more about client education and looking at it from the bigger picture, from not just the animals on their farm, um, but just talking about proper antibiotic use um, in general. Right. Yeah, no, that's that's great. And I think it is, it's one of those, it's sort of the silent, never-moving thing, right? What is resistance and what does that look like and how does mm-hmm. that ultimately impact us? It's hard to, to make you know significant changes on the farm or in practice when it's I mean, it's something that we can't see, touch, or feel in really many ways, right? So yeah, exactly. The goal being, we want, we know we want to avoid it, right? But but can we actually see it and touch it today? Maybe not, right? Mm-hmm. That might not be what the issue is on the farm, but it needs to be part of the um, treatment decision making process. Yeah, mm-hmm. feels like biosecurity in some ways, right? We talked yeah. about the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Be vigilant. Well, you know, for the day, and hopefully that day never comes that you have an issue, an outbreak, or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. 
So when we talk about uh, resistance a lot, especially in the veterinary world, we you know very commonly throw around antimicrobial stewardship as being sort of what we need to practice and preach. Um, and it's easy to talk about that as saying this is the path forward. And there's some been some good work trying to outline the specific you know steps we can go through to to put stewardship practices in place. Um, but Kelly, I wonder if you, maybe you can speak to us a little bit about what you view as a veterinarian your role in antimicrobial stewardship looks like. I think the primary role of a food animal veterinarian when it comes to antimicrobial stewardship is is education and providing that sort of advice and guidance to our clients about, number one, why is it important to choose certain antibiotics, why certain antibiotics work for certain diseases and bacteria versus others, why diagnostic testing is important, um, but to be able to communicate that to producers in a way that they understand and value and will be able to take that information forward for future decision-making mm-hmm. processes. Um, so e- education is really key, and um, it, it's a it's a complicated topic to, um, you know, convert the, the high-level value of antimicrobial stewardship down to, okay, but, but can you save my calf or can you save this cow? And, and being able to balance individual animal treatment with herd-level decisions and also public health decisions. Yeah, no, that's great. And I guess, suppose flipping it on its head a little bit, you know, you talk about the, the, importance of educating clients. What's what's your client's role in all of this, right? We're asking them to employ a lot of these practices and ultimately, mm-hmm. you know, be the ones that are on the front lines fighting this. So what does that look like from, from your client's perspective? For sure, the number one thing from a client's perspective and, and, and I guess from a veterinarian perspective too, would be just the prevention of disease. That That is number one. It's the best way. That's the best way to have prudent use of antimicrobials is to prevent disease in the first place and avoid use completely. Um, but further on to the client of, of doing that is it's the day-to-day management, the care of those animals. Is the ventilation okay? Are they able to troubleshoot um, what whatever's happening in the barn on that day with their animals? And are they knowledgeable t- enough to uh, identify different diseases, know which diseases are going to respond properly to antibiotics or not? Do they even need antibiotics? Mm-hmm. Are they implementing uh, uh, disease prevention strategies properly so that they're effective, like vaccines? And absolutely um, making it a two-way communication with their veterinarian to have those conversations in a timely manner to make the appropriate decisions. That's great. Um, when you talk with your clients and, and sort of work with them, we often talk about you know different strategies to help improve or maintain animal health. Uh, from your perspective, what are some of the key you know tools, techniques, or management practices that that your clients need to be putting in place to to maintain optimal health? There's there's a, a wide variety of practices that they can do and. For sure, just the general day-to-day management, keeping the animals um, happy, healthy, clean and dry, Mm -hmm. um, doing all the the day-to-day husbandry things are are really important. But uh, from a monitoring perspective, absolutely um, recording information for veterinarians to review. So because if we're going to monitor it, we have to have something that we can measure. And without that data, uh, we, we can't truly appreciate whether the preventative techniques that we've implemented or protocols that we've written are even effective. Right. Dan, I know surveillance is a big 
element of your interest when it comes to, to mm-hmm. resistance and stewardship. Do you have anything to add when it comes to the monitoring and sort of surveilling mm-hmm. some of these, well, either it's treatment plans, protocols, whatnot, on the farm? No, I think Kelly nailed it on the, nailed it on the head. If we're going to focus on uh, using drugs responsibly, we have to have a good idea of the disease burden that, an, that a herd has. We have to have a good idea of the amount of drugs that a that a herd has. So that, and that all requires writing things down and recording, so that uh, us as our training and veterinarians, we can help interpret some of this data and and find those areas where we actually can make uh, a difference in use. Right. So it's it's all about writing things down and making sure we're playing a leadership role in that. Mm-hmm. So I think Kelly hit hit the nail right on the head. Nice for sure. So Kelly, from uh, you know, it's it's uh, like I've, we talked about a little bit before we started the podcast. It's one thing to talk about stewardship and and say resistance is coming or is here, and we need to do something about it and, and put stewardship practices in, in into place. Um, but sometimes we lose that sort of the specificity or the context of what does that look like in the day to day. And I wonder, can you give us some examples about how you've worked with your clients or your clients have a you know sort of adopted or made changes to ultimately reduce their reliance on antimicrobials in the field? Yeah, sure. I think uh, I think we underestimate the things that we as herd veterinarians or, or food animal veterinarians do for our, our producers. And that could be anything from making ventilation recommendations to improve uh, barn design, to reduce, say, respiratory disease in, in a group of animals. Uh, that That is... Um, a pretty basic one and, and certainly um, doesn't require a lot of implementation. It's, it can just be a general conversation that you're having. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are some other more tangible things. Uh, one thing in our practice, um, I'm, I'm really passionate about utter health and milk quality. And so right from when I started at Heartland Vets, I really wanted to incorporate a, a milk culture lab for, for mastitis samples. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's been really helpful. Uh, producers have been able to submit uh, samples to our clinic to have a really quick turnaround time and get some results as to whether or not the type of bacteria that's causing mastitis in that individual cow even requires treatment or not. And so we can see how that's um, impacted either A, to treat or not to treat, but if we are going to treat, are we going to use, which antibiotic are we going to use that's going to be the most uh, effective um, in, that, in that situation. And that's even gone one step further. Uh, some farms have uh, seen the value of that and have implemented, I've, I've actually set them up with milk labs on their farm nice. so they can do their own samples mm-hmm. and make those dis- treatment decisions. They have the results just that much faster and they're um, a lot better able to, once we've established what protocols uh, we're comfortable with and what's working through um, them doing the samples themselves and then revisiting that and saying, okay, are we happy with how this is going? Is this the right antibiotic? Are you seeing success in your treatment rates? Uh, yes or no? And, and going from there. What do you think about, uh, do you have any clients uh, practicing selective dry cow therapy, Kelly? I, I don't. Oh. I've had the discussion many times yeah. with, with producers and certainly um, there's a lot of factors that go into play with mm-hmm. whether or not uh, selective dry cow therapy is for them. And mm-hmm. so um, I have a, a sort of set of guidelines of, mm-hmm. or of, of, you know, targets that they have to meet in order to even be considered mm-hmm. as a good option for that. So um, herd level stuff, um, I, I think it's coming. I think it's a great opportunity to reduce um, antimicrobial use on, on dairy farms because that's mm-hmm. almost a guaranteed thing that almost every cow is going to be receiving 
of dry cow therapy. And if yeah. we could reduce that, that would dramatically reduce antibiotic use on, on dairy farms. But um, certainly there's some risk comes with that. Mm-hmm. Certain animals um, need dry cow therapy. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think that there would be a farm out there that could drop dry cow therapy completely. Mm-hmm. It would be a matter of just reducing the amount of dry cow therapy used on individual herds based on what their risk factors are. Yeah. Excellent. Do you think, in, in thinking about the barriers, sort of with that shift, is it, do you think it's more a mindset and, and sort of a change in terms of practice being a barrier, or is it the, like you say, some of the biological sort of uh, benchmarks or lines that you need to, they need to hit in order to be really, you know, set up to, for, yeah, for success? To qualify, yeah. I, I think it's a, it's, it's a little bit tricky, um, and, and I remember, um, some of my mentors saying statements that, that sound really bold and you have to be a little bit careful when you say it to a producer, but you know, what, what your somatic cell count is on your farm is, is a choice. And so, mm-hmm. um, it's a bit of both. It, it's partly the mindset, right? We have to, um, commit to adopting management practices that set you up for success to be able to qualify, but it's also certain animals within a herd, no matter what preventative practices you do, have individual risk factors, and so they yeah. they have to be taken into consideration. So really high production cows, cows that, mm-hmm. that leak milk, all, all mm-hmm. of those things taken into consideration. Yeah. No, that's great. So... One of the the reasons the FAST initiative exists and, and you know, there's a lot of work and research and, and extension work that's been done trying to educate and make everyone aware of the importance of reducing use and reliance on antimicrobials. But one of the reasons the FAST initiative was was created was because of the upcoming and somewhat uh, some changes have already been made, but regulatory changes mm-hmm. uh, being imposed by Health Canada and the industry um, to, to tighten up you know, the ship when it comes to use and access to antimicrobials, requiring veterinary client-patient relationship. Um, and there are some nuances to that depending on, on species and commodity. But, um, you know, by and large, trying to improve the relationship with the veterinarian, no, no use of growth promotion labels, uh, and requiring prescriptions to access medically important antimicrobials. What do you think these changes are going to do to the to the dairy industry specifically? How do you think that's going to affect veterinary practice and, and maybe your relationship with your clients? So uh, as a dairy practitioner, I, I really don't see it impacting my day-to-day because I have a, a VCPR with all of my clients already. Dairy mm-hmm. farms uh, routinely have veterinarians visiting their farms on a regular basis, mm-hmm. for sure annually, um, but but more often every two to six weeks, there's a veterinarian visiting that farm and, mm-hmm. and checking on those animals and having discussions with the with the clients. So as a, as a dairy cow vet, I don't really foresee it impacting too much. We also don't use anti- antimicrobials for growth promotion um, in, in dairy animals, so, mm-hmm. uh, so there's that. Um, I do do a little bit of work with goats and uh, other small ruminants, and, and so that is a little bit different. That mm-hmm. is for sure mm-hmm. uh, going to impact things. Uh, they're no longer going to be able to buy medications just over the shel- off, off the shelf, over the counter, and they're going to need to have that relationship with a veterinarian to access medically um, important antimicrobials, which may increase the number of uh, visits of veterinarian needs to have to that farm mm-hmm. um, to establish that. And, and certainly for, for sheep and goats, goats in particular, uh, extra label drug use, there's, there's not a lot of my antibiotics that are labeled for use in, in goats. And mm-hmm. so um, we are going to have to have a lot more oversight as to what they're using antibiotics for and, and mm-hmm. setting up protocols. And I think it'll be, I think it'll be good for the industry, um, not just the veterinary industry, but the, the goat industry to have a little bit more um, 
hands-on approach and um, education mm-hmm. opportunities. Mm-hmm. Do you see moving forward, uh, you know, beyond, you know, 2019 where we're, we're, we're heading quite quickly, do you see, you know, larger obstacles facing a sort of a more of a concerted shift towards being better stewards of antimicrobials as veterinarians? From a veterinarian perspective, I think um, there there's so much uh, continuing education going on and opportunity for us to learn more about um, ways to improve the health of animals without the use of antibiotics or preventative health measures, but also just on antimicrobial resistance itself and, and how we um, approach that challenge mm-hmm. that as, as it as it does develop. Um, <clears throat> but I, I actually foresee the bigger, bigger obstacles being um, more from the regulatory side of things and that the regulatory side of things developing faster than, than the veterinarian adoption or, or understanding of things and potentially um, limiting our ability to treat and, and, and use antibiotics on farms. I, I don't, I w- I don't want to say I'm worried about it, but I, that would be one of my concerns mm-hmm. is that, uh, that there could be government influence or um, regulatory changes that would impact our ability uh, to use certain antimicrobials that, that we want and, and even sometimes need mm. to use um, just simply because of, of um, concerns about, about mm-hmm. resistance. And so um, further, I, I absolutely am okay with having more regulation about our access to antibiotics because I think for the greater good of the public, um, it, it is a good thing, um, just so long as that doesn't move faster than than what the veterinarians capabilities mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. yeah and, and that I mean that really leads to sort of the the big question that we like to ask is is you know as well really is what does the future of of veterinary medicine look like given sort of this wave of of resistance that we see what do, you know what do you see for the future of farmed animals um, in general when it comes to the use of antimicrobials I think I think in general a, a, a trend of reducing overall use of antimicrobials, and, and that's a good thing. That's good for everyone. Um, as, a, as a veterinarian, um, yes, I enjoy um, making animals feel better. That's, that's why I became a vet. I wanted to help animals. Um, but as a now a experienced practitioner, I far more enjoy working with healthy animals and avoiding the sick ones completely and, right. and preventing that in the first place. Mm-hmm. And so I think, uh, I think the role of vet- food animal veterinarians is going to uh, really focus on this preventative health measures and uh, stricter protocols and education of clients, um, w- which is good for everyone. It's going to be good for the farmers. It's good for um, the public. And, and it, it is also, I can see for myself, it's, it's good for me too. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. Well, thanks very much, Kelly. It was great to get a, some insight into sort of your thoughts on this and your unique perspective, and uh, I think it's really valuable, so I hope it was uh, useful for the listeners out there, and thanks again for your time. No problem. Hey, guys. Uh, thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. Um, now, I just want to remind you to keep checking back with us as we're going to continue to put out these new podcasts on this issue. Uh, and we're also going to be developing other tools and resources for both veterinarians and farmed animal owners, all again focused on antimicrobial resistance and you know what does the practice of antimicrobial stewardship look like. 
please, we want to hear from you. So if you've got ideas on content you'd like to hear or see, um, drop us a line at info at amstewardship.ca. Or you can find uh, other means of contacting us or the other tools and resources that we have developed at www.amstewardship.ca. And last but not least, FAST is a collaborative initiative between the Ontario Veterinary Medical Association, Acer Consulting, government, academic, and industry partners. And its core mission has been to improve antimicrobial stewardship in farmed animals. And one of the main things that's been focused on, at least in the early days, is to prepare farmed animal owners and their veterinarians for the upcoming policy and regulatory changes associated with antimicrobial use and access. And the more lofty and long-term goal is to ultimately preserve the efficacy of antimicrobials without compromising animal health or food safety. So again, thanks for listening and we'll talk to you soon.